From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And this is Big C. Thank you very much, Shaggy. Uh, and this is Off the Record, and it's episode number 89. That's season 2, episode 29. Just one more before we hope to be recommissioned. Next we are. We'll wave as we walk out the building. Yes, <laughs> like like the uh, von traps going back up the stairs to bed. At the Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. So long. Farewell. That one. Indeed. That's the one. Yeah, that one. Yes. Um, well, we were meant to have a very special guest on this evening, given the subject matter, uh, Claire Glavin, um, from the. Well, from Wales, basically. Too complicated. And we are doing Welsh acts. So, unfortunately, uh, health complications, shall we say, have prevented her from making it to onto the show this week. But that just means a very, very special guest <laughs> sitting on the screen in front of me at this moment in time. You're watching on Facebook Live. Welcome. Um, it's Stinky Pete, of course. You've already heard his dulcet tones. Say hello, Stinky Pete. Well, don't say hello, Stinky Pete, because you're not talking to yourself. You know what I mean. Although sometimes I make more sense when I talk to myself. Hi. Yes. Exciting uh, exciting topic for this evening. It is, yes. From the borders of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire. Not half The cold borders of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire. It is Baltic tonight. It's horrible. But it's been brass monkeys here, actually, today. It was all the way through a radio show this morning. It was about minus five. It maybe went down to minus four, but uh, yeah, now it's uh, a mere one degree. So it's crept up during the day, but no doubt it'll go below freezing overnight. We're warmer than uh, Shaggy's, uh, the, the studio over there. I think it's uh, well, yes. it's but about he... 50 degrees over there, which is what, uh, 10 degrees here. So it's a lot, uh, a lot warmer over there. Not, I'm not jealous at all. No, no, no. The subject matter, as you maybe hinted at, we didn't say what it was, but I did say Claire was from Wales. We're going to discuss some Welsh acts. We've had a Scottish one um, uh, with with Gordon. I don't know whether you were on that one, were you? No, I listened to maybe it you, afterwards. It was maybe the first you were on that one. Yeah, Gordon was on the Scottish acts. A, a poor Scottish accent still. He's He's got to work on it, definitely. Definitely. I mean, he's it's a shame amateur, amateur, frankly. It's a shame that Claire's not on one because she texted me early on saying, I'm going to have to get my best Welsh accent. Um, secondly, I was hoping she was going to help me with the pronunciation of some of the towns that some of the Welsh artists that I picked were born in. Because well, some I've, of managed, them just I've managed to choose artists that came from places that I know how to pronounce. This is a very, very good start. So they're all from <laughs> Cardiff. <laughs> now, Cardiff is one of only two Western European capitals I have not been to. Really? Yes. Mm. I don't know how I've managed to get to Nyon 66 without ever having gone to Cardiff, but I haven't. Well, I've been to Cardiff. Well, been of course, to the Millennium Stadium. Yeah, the Cup Finals, yeah. I'm sure you Yeah, yeah we went the... the... Yeah, we lost to Blackburn in the Cup Final. We, we, we lost, lost to everybody. We lost to Cup Final. <laughs> <laughs> Spurs losing cup finals. Wasn't that the one where Glenn Hoddle decided it was a really smart idea to buy 
literally every old player in the Premier League and put them all in the same team so that by the time they actually got to the final, they were all so gassed they were in wheelchairs. We've Les Ferdinand at 106. And I mean, yeah, great plan. Also, he made the uh, extremely unwise decision to say that Andy Cole, who played for Blackburn, uh, admittedly towards the end of his career, needed about six chances to score a goal. Yes, yeah. scored the goal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, would it have been Andrew Cole? It might well have been. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry, Andrew. Andrew Cole. Doesn't like to be called Andy Cole anymore because he's matured. He's yeah. Andrew now, isn't he? Doesn't like being right. Andy anymore. So Welsh artists, I, f- I found this, there were, there were more, I found, from Scotland than, than there were from Wales. I, it, I know Scotland... I think well, I'm right. Scotland's, Scotland's, Scotland's bigger, Scotland's isn't it? Bigger. It's a lot bigger <laughs> yes. the country than Wales. Well done, well done that, Colin. That might, <laughs> that might explain it. I think there's a strong to get round to working that out. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. So, anything to comment about the the Welsh artists in general before we kick off? I mean, do you well, have any particular? I mean, I'm hoping that I don't know. Uh, Rick Waitman's third cousin's wife's nephew's brother, whoever, whatever that makes sense. It doesn't, I know, isn't doesn't sort of come from uh, Pontypridd or something like that. And you're going <laughs> to be talking about yes again? No, I no, I okay. So <laughs> even I couldn't manage to get yes in. But I've got a little bet with myself that you're going to get the Beatles in. But anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that later. Um, so I decided that I was going to go totally down the rock route on this one. So I have, Ooh. I've got, I've got four, I've got four rock bands. Well, I've got five rock bands, but one of which is a real outlier. And I'll be amazed if anyone's heard of them. Um, and then for my kind of sixth one, I've grouped together a whole bunch of Welsh rockers from various generations. But I think you will have already spoken about a lot of them. So it is anyone else. So I'll just throw in. But not that I know their music. The ones that I've chosen, I've stuck with ones where I actually um, you You're know, aware f- of them, familiar with them, familiar enough to uh, to talk about it. I think what is worth saying is, and I think we can all agree on this, I mean, you know, email me if I'm lying, I think that the Welsh definitely have the best singing voices in the world. Now everybody's going to raise their hands up and say, no, don't be ridiculous. But I mean, the Welsh have an enviable, an enviable reputation as singers. Um, classical and 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 kind of you know more and traditional, but if you go through, you know you you, you can go through a list of great Welsh singers, um, all of whom are known internationally for their voices, and then you've got the Welsh choirs, and you've got the whole history of kind of Welsh Baptist singers and and all the kind of the religious songs that come out of Wales, you know, all the great hymns, Guide Me, Oh, they Great Redeemer, all that lot. They're all Welsh. So I think that when you then delve down into, well, okay, so what was the impact that had on popular music, which is mostly what this podcast is about, yep. um, then actually 
they they did have a they did have a big influence and they're for a very small country there is a lot of i mean there isn't any massive 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 global acts probably bar one but there are lots and lots of acts who have had a really interesting and varied career um and have added to certainly the scope of british music significantly Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of my helicopter view of wales only one global star as maybe i think you called it uh, is is that within the field that you've been looking at, or no, just no, 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 just, just more generally, just just yeah. I mean, if you if you say Welsh music superstar, one name is always going to come first, isn't it? And yes. rightly so, because at every level, he has been a superstar and has still in his what is he late 70s early 80s has still got a voice to die for i mean an amazingly strong voice for a man of his age so you know a genuine global vocal superstar for sure yeah good old shaky (laughs) Um, yes that was exactly who i meant (laughs) of course (laughs) you haven't got tom jones in your list i assume Uh, no well i haven't got tom jones no well i haven't got tom jones in my list largely because he almost it, it's like it's like talking about american music and feeling that you have to put elvis on the list regardless of whether you like the voice or not you know there there are there are a few global superstars who transcend everything and i think tom jones falls into that category i mean you know he, the length of career that he's had He's, I mean, he does have a stellar voice. I mean, he really does. Can't so, argue with that. He's got a good voice. So I just, you know, I just, I just got to think that Tom Jones, not in a good way. I, no, I don't know. I just, I just find him a bit creepy, to be honest. Well, <laughs> he is also responsible for one of the most embarrassing moments of my uh, of my early married life. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a massive fan. Um, in, in fact, I'm not a massive fan. I'd still gun to the head. I'd choose him over Elvis, obviously. Um, but um, he um, you won't go into the details uh, of that then. But you can't argue. You, you can't didn't throw your underpants at him or anything, did you? No, I think I've told the story before. He was he was performing in Birmingham, and him and his aunt yeah, I remember staying at the Holiday Inn, and he was coming out. And my missus was standing around waiting for me to turn up with the car, and he thought she was standing there for an interview, and she didn't even have a clue who he was. Never mind what. Really He's got two kids under the age of three squawking at him and no oh, nightmare. Anyway, so she got away. So when she got in the car, I said, What was all that about? She said, This bloke said to her, one of the autographs said, Yeah, that bloke was Tom Jones, love. Anyway, <laughs> but so yeah, and I think finding a couple of kids. But um but no oh, hello, hello, Craig. Craig says good evening. It is freezing up north. And he oh. says he was at the he was at Union Cardiff. When we played in that final, we were talking about the Millennium Stadium. Oh, so long ago. Now, what if Sam the Stato here, number two, somewhere here, he'd, he'd tell 2005. me 2005. Exactly. Was it? Oh, there you go. You don't need Sam 2005. Okay, well, no, I might be wrong, but it was uh, it was it was around about then because it was before the the match, the one where we beat Chelsea, wasn't it? Which was was it 2012? So, um, yeah. Oh, Oh, was it two thousand and eight? I don't know. Can't no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Sam and ask him. He'll Sam, tell us. Sam knows. Anyway, he will. Um, 
Yeah, okay, so enough about Tom Jones. We're not mentioning Tom Jones, although I agree. He is probably, he is a legend in terms of musical, yeah. uh, a musical artist from Wales. And you, he you can't does argue. still have a great voice. Um, right. Rock bands then. Are you going to, you're going to start with one then? Uh, I, I, oh, you can. It doesn't matter, does it really? It doesn't. It doesn't indeed. All right, I'll, I'll start if you like. Yeah, you start. Um, I'm going to go for somebody that was born in Cardiff, thankfully. So I can, I can pronounce, I can pronounce that one. That's good. Uh, he was born on the 15th of April, 1944, to be precise. Okay. Um, he, he plays uh, rock and roll, rockabilly, blues rock, country rock, pub rock. And he's on my list of bands that I think that Colin is going to choose. Okay, right. Power pop, uh, even a bit of an influence on New Wave um, to a certain extent. Um, okay. His name is Dave, Dave Edmonds. And it's Edmonds. And I had to pick Dave Edmonds because I love Dave Edmonds always. And and the, this one of how many of these have we seen? Probably seen two or three of these live, actually. Uh, and Dave Edmonds, I have seen live once. No idea when, but it was in, it was some bar in the city of London, maybe around, um, what's the tall building? Not Centre Point. What is, what's the tall building there on the well, city? Uh, the, the, uh, the BT Tower? I don't know. No, no, it wasn't that. But anyway, wherever it was, we saw him. I remember Sean Locke was in the audience, the comedian that died a couple of years yeah. back, which yeah. is rather odd. I just, but I just remember that. Um, yeah, he's 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 a legend. He's such a great guitarist. Um, he was around in the sixties. A great name for an early band was the Human Beans. Yes, there was a lot, of, a lot of very clever names. Little, little play on words on, on on names of bands back then, um, with people like um, was well, a guy called John Williams who's been with him for a while. He he goes under the name of John David, who's written loads of stuff as well for other people. Who's written one of but the not, um, but not the bloke who wrote the Star Wars thing. No, that is that really is John Williams. That might be why he takes his name. He's actually John Williams, but he he goes under the name of John David. Uh, he had his own band as well called Airwaves. Um, Mickey G was in the bands with him as well. And that lot, basically the core of that lot, the human beings formed Love Sculpture. Right. So they had the um, uh, Sabre Dance. It was actually their second single, but Sabre Dance was sort of a reworking of, uh, of the... Cachaturian's classical piece. Is that right? How you pronounce it? Cachaturian. Cachaturian. That's the one. All right, then. Um, well, there you go. It was inspired by Keith Emerson's classical arrangement or rearrangement. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Peel's a big fan, and he helped as a Radio 1 DJ back in the 60s. And he was still around in the 70s and 80s. I don't know when he died. It was probably this century, wasn't it? I yeah, think. 2001, 2002, wasn't it? I've, I've, he, John Peel features in quite a few of mine as well. As yeah, a, he's, a, he, he's a real big influence and get, get them on the radio. 
and Sabre Dancing got to the top five. Amazing, amazing guitar playing on that from him, from Dave Edmonds. Um, they split, went solo, and then, of course, had his big number one single, Solo Artist, which is a reworking of Smiley Lewis' song, I Hear You Knocking. Indeed. Which is number one at Christmas in 1970. You might well be going to be telling me the same stuff as I'm telling you. No, no, no. I've, I, I have got a Dave Edmonds reference in one of mine because he is on a very famous album by one of my bands. So okay. I'll I, I return to Dave Edmonds later. Fair enough. Well, he came across um, when he was producing, um, oh, oh, Shaking Stevens. We mentioned Shaky earlier on in, in joking, jokingly. But he produced Shaken Stevens' first album called A Legend, perhaps mistakenly initially. Um, the he also that was the first record on the MAM record label. Um got to number four in the States. This is I hear you knocking, by the way. And he was gonna record, I don't know whether you saw this when if you were looking at Dave Edmonds. When he did I Hear You Knocking, he was originally going to do Let's Work Together, a cover of Let's Work Together, but Canned Heat had got there in before him. Oh, okay. You know, the Canned Heat version of yeah, Let's Work yeah, Together, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that wasn't Smiley Lewis, was it? That was, um, can't think, I can't think of the guy's name, but anyway, um, it might come to me. Um, he also had an acting role. He's had one acting role in the movie Stardust, Okay. I think I did actually back in 1974 because it was a follow up to That'll Be the Day. Was it better or worse than Silver Dream Machine? Well, it's got to be better, surely. Well, yeah, well, because Silver Dream Machine may be one of the worst films ever made. That's why <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so. <laughs> um. But it, it had a, a reasonable title track, sort of Silver Dream Racer, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, it yeah. was cool. Um, then he went, he went, and he became a massive producer as well. Had a couple of big hits: Phil Spectory sounding with "Baby I Love You" and "Born to Be with You." Didn't he have? Wasn't he in Rock Pile? He was. He was. In fact, he's. He's. They had. He had an album called Rock Rock Pile and what a studio rock? called Rock Pile. But wasn't um, his band called Rock Pile as well? Wasn't eventually, it was, yes. Uh, he named the band after the studio. Um, it, it was linked with the pub rock movement, as I said earlier on. So people like Ducks Deluxe, Brinsley Swartz, yeah. and the Flaming Groovies, and Foggart, I think, as well, he was involved with as well. Uh, if you remember them, Fog Hat. They, uh, they get played on Planet Rock from time to I time. I bet they do. It's probably pronounced Fog Hat. It is Fog Hat. It is Fog. It's not Foggart. No, it's Fog Hat. All right, it's Fog Hat. There's probably a reason for that then. Uh, and then he met a Nick Lowe during that time because he was in British Sports. Of course, the two of them got together, wrote songs together, and he had masses of albums. Um, that's when I first really got into Dave Evans around the New Wave time. So he had an album called Get It with Nick Lowe and Rock And they made a bunch of albums. Unfortunately, Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds were both on separate record labels, so they couldn't record it as Rockpile. Even though they were Rockpile on all of them, yeah. Dave Edmonds, Girls Talk and uh, Get Out of Denver, all these um, Queen of Hearts, all these were actually Rockpile. 
So it was Nick Lowe, Dave Edmonds, Billy Bremner, not the one that the dirty Leeds player. I love Billy from Bremner. Scotland. <laughs> and who's the other fella? Terry Williams on drums. Garrett yeah, Watkins in the accordion as well. But Terry they they Williams. They, Terry yeah. Williams also features in my list later as well. Oh, there you go. They all tied together. Well, but, but that's one of the interesting things about Welsh music. Basically, there is a link between, you know, there's like a family. Everyone. And all yeah. of the bands at some point have got someone in the family tree. And that's what I find fascinating about the whole thing. And they're all called Williams, hopefully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or Jones, so, maybe. I think, it, no, I, I think that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration. That's stereotyping, I think, there, Colin. Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to stereotype. Oh, anyway, they, they finally, Rockpile finally made their first album, released it when their record companies, obviously, they moved on from their companies in 1980. And that was the only album they made as Rockpile, Seconds of Pleasure, which was a great album. But I just, I just, I wonder how many albums did he had. Um, he only had two top 40 albums separately. It's Repeat When Necessary and Twanging. Repeat When Necessary uh, had the Queen of Hearts and the Crawling from the Wreckage and Girls Talk, which was written by Elvis Costello. Uh, it's a great song, great song. And ostensibly uh, retired in 2017. He did have an album of instrumentals that came out in 2015, because I think I got that somewhere. Can't remember what it's called. But uh, I just love his guitar. He's playing Singing the Blues. He did a version of Singing the Blues. And the way you can get in that guitar solo in the middle of Singing the Blues, I don't know whether you, you know it, but when he, he sort of goes up, goes up on the fretboard, he's going up, changes key, and then he comes all the way back down on the fretboard, changing back down, when you don't even notice it. You know, it's like, just straight back down. Such a great guitarist. Love the fella. Dave Edmonds is my number one. Is um is twanging something you can be arrested for? It's it could be. I, I think it I think if you if not, it should depends be. what company you're in. We should, we should speak to Mr. Sunak on the subject, since he seems to be trying to get us arrested for breathing in and out. But anyway, there's another story. Right. Okay. Interesting. Oh, look, I've gone blurry again. It's because I'm Yeah, moving. you've gone blurry again. Maybe I should stop moving. I don't know why this keeps doing this. It's very annoying. <laughs> I, shall, I shall switch myself off and switch. Oh, there we go. There you go. There you go. In all my, in all my glory. There is a bell. Yeah. Okay. So, my first act was uh, formed in Rill in 1981. Well pronounced. And who needs Claire? They initially were formed as a punk band. And unbelievably in eighty one. They, they decided, yeah, no, yes. Well no, sorry. No. Okay. Let me start again. The band that I'm just talking about were mm. formed in real in nineteen eighty one. They initially had formed as a punk band in 1977. Ah, right, okay. And they were called The Toilets. Oh, this rings a bell. Well, it shouldn't. What what in the name of all that is holy makes someone wake up one day and go, I'm going to form a band and we'll call them The Toilets? Well, they are punks. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, even so. That's sort of punk band, isn't it? Punk band name. Really? Anyway, so, um, yes, they were formed as a punk band, The Toilets, under lead vocalist Mike Peters. Okay. So we now know that we are talking about... The Alarm. The Alarm. All right. Who um, 
then sort of embraced arena rock. And um, I think what I like about them is that they had a period towards the kind of the late 80s, early 90s, where they very much embraced Welshness and Welsh language and Welsh culture. Um, and actually, I thought that was what stood them apart. And the album Concerned, which I will talk about later, um, is my, you know, is the one that got me into them. Um, but they um, they opened up for U2, they opened up for Bob Dylan, um, and they very much were a sort of popular, new wavy, poppy, rocky band in the 1980s. Um, anyway, the toilets ceased to exist. So I went down the pan, yeah? <laughs> the toilets went down the pan in 1978. <laughs> and then in an act of what were they thinking, they renamed themselves Quasimodo. <laughs> and then after they worked out that Quasimodo was not a good sound or look, they then renamed themselves Alarm Alarm. Okay. They're getting there. They're getting there. They're getting warm. Right. So they played their last concert together in January 1981 at the Half Moon in Herne Hill in London, which was quite a famous venue for kind of new wave and punk back in the day. Um, And that was the last time they played with the name. And they reformed under the name of The Alarm. And (laughs) Nigel Buckle changed his name to Nigel Twist. Uh, and for, I have no idea why. Um, and they played their first gig at the Victoria Hotel in Prestatyn in mm. North Wales on the 6th of June 1981, opening with Shout to the Devil, which would later appear on their debut Declaration album. All right, okay. But they, they're interesting. So, they, so Mike Peters and Nigel Buckle and Eddie McDonald, I love this story. They, this is so Welsh. And it kind of goes on then to some of the other bands as well. So Eddie McDonald was Mike Peters's next door but one neighbour in the street in Rill. And then they had this guy, and then they had this guitarist, David Kinchingman, who <laughs> changed, but he changed his name to Dave Sharp. Oh, so, right. basically, so basically everybody changed their names. Um and obviously what happened then was they moved from North Wales up to London in 1981. They did a one-off single. And that single, they pressed a 1,000 copies. And um, they had a song called Unsafe Building on the electric side and Up for Murder on the acoustic side. And what's really interesting about the alarm is that right through their careers, they had this dual acoustic guitar sound. Basically, mm-hmm. they had three guitarists at the beginning. And the, so they had this dual acoustic guitar sound. Um, and when they got the extra members in, that was when Mike Peter stopped playing guitar and concentrated on being a singer. But the net result of this acoustic background was that a lot of their live sets, they start with an acoustic set and then play an electric set. And that kind of became part of their, their kind of trademark thing. A little bit, I guess, like John Mayer does. Um, when uh, and and some and Joe Bonamassa sometimes as well, um, but um, but when they were when they were up in London, the single was noticed by Mick Mercer. 
he had it as his um, single of the month in Zigzag magazine. Do you remember Zigzag magazine? I do remember Zigzag right. magazine. Well, so yeah. it, was his, it was his single of the month. And then they played a show with The Fall at the back end of 81, and someone from Sounds noticed them, and he came to their next show, which was upstairs at Roddy Scott's in the West End. Um, and that, um, that this show was a representative of Wasted Talent, and he arranged a meeting between the band and Ian Wilson, who was U2's agent. And that was kind of when it all took off, because he then arranged another show to kind of suss out how good they were. He liked them and he became their manager soon after. So they then played with U2 at the Lyceum um, in the back end of December 83. And they then supported them in the US on the war tour. And that was really when, that was really when it kind of all started for them. So trying to imagine U2 at the Lyceum. Well, this was a venue really, isn't it? Yeah. But this was, this was, this was in 1982 or 80, even 81. So it was the war tour. Oh, sorry. It was pre the war tour. So, you know, they weren't a very big band then, were they? they no, were, they weren't. They, no, not at all. They were up, they were up and coming. Um, when it, was, it was quite, it was trendy to like them back then, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. As opposed to being trendy to hate them now. Yes. So uh, highest charting single was 1983, 68 guns. Not really one of my favorites. Um, and that got to number 17. Declaration, which contains 68 Guns, peaked at number six on the album charts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, I, I, that was their, um, the Declaration album was was a bit later than I said earlier. Um, and, and, and then they kind of were around. But for me, what really got me into the alarm was 1989's Change. Change, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, you've played a couple of tracks off Change on your show, haven't you? That, mm. that, um, and it really was, it really was a homage to Wales. And in fact, there was an alternative Welsh language version called Newid, um, and it was produced. What by... What does that mean? Um, I'm going with change. Yeah, good move. Uh, Claire would probably say it was nothing to do with it. It's something to do with you, you know, Auntie's toothbrush, but well, whatever. <laughs> um, but it was pro- it was produced by Tony Visconti. And so, you know, when you've got Tony Visconti as your producer, you're not going to do a lot wrong. And no. that produced the biggest um, hit in America. So Sold Me Down the River, which you might remember. Um, okay. and that got to number 50. Yeah, got to 50 in the Billboard. Okay. Yeah. Um, Devolution, Working Man Blues, Love Don't Come Easy, also got Radio Airplay. The track, New South Wales, had the Welsh Symphony Orchestra, the Morris and Orpheus Male Voice Choir. Um, it was really popular in Wales, but it didn't sell as well as some of the other stuff. And eventually um, there were deaths in um, Peter's and Twist's families. Um, and so 1991, they kind of broke up. That was, the, um, that was um, when Raw came out. But... From I, when I got into them, it was it was yeah, you know, it was just one of those weird accidents of of history. That change album came out. Mm-hmm. I heard "Sold Him Down the River" on the radio and thought, well, I really like that. Went down to Woolies that weekend. The yeah. album was the album was there. Bought the album on on um, on tape in Woolworths, and then on the Monday morning. I was driving off to run a team building program 
um, where I was meeting one of my mates and, you know, we were doing, you know, potholing and abseiling and all this kind of stuff. Um, where were we doing it? Abu Dhabi in mid-Wales. Mm-hmm. So I drove from Dunstable to, to mid-Wales, listening on repeat to the alarm, singing a new, new South, South Wales, Wales and uh, all the rest of it as I ploughed into mid-Wales as opposed to um, South Wales. But um, so uh, it kind of, you know, there was kind of a Welsh connection there to me getting into the album. But I have but I play that album a lot. I still play it a lot. I bought the CD uh, a few years ago um, and it's a regular it's a regular one either in the car or on my CD player because I just think, I don't think there's a duff track on the album and that Prison Without Prison Bars, which you've played a couple of times, is is my, is my real favourite. Yeah, so, my, the alarm. My first ones. Yeah, I, well, I had the alarm down as well as on on my list, but um, yeah, I, I I'm rather keen on the strength album, which came out after Decoration. Yeah. Um, things like, well, the title track, and my probably my favourite track is Sixty Eight Guns. I've done with you, not Sixty Eight Guns. That was on Decoration. No, that was on um, Spirit of Seventy Six. Yeah, Spirit of Seventy Six. Spirit of 76, good songs. And it's yeah. about seven minutes long. A bit short for you, I suppose, seven minutes. Well, yeah, but New South Wales is pretty long. <laughs> right, so, okay. Yeah. That's permissible. Pete does like a long song. <laughs> I do like a long song. Um, more, of a, more of that later. <laughs> you said, yes, I'm sure. Um, you said, did you say split up after Raw? Uh, the, origin, they, the, the original they got, band split yeah. up. They got back together later. They got back together. Because I'd say after those... Four albums you got um well I'm talking well five I suppose Decoration Strength, Eye of a Hurricane, which is another good album. That had a couple of good hits on as well. Yeah. I'm trying to look in America. Yeah, Rain in the Summertime. Um sort of top seventy. Now that's quite good over there, I suspect. Uh and Presence of Love, both on that album as well. That was a good album. And um yeah. Ooh, I can't remember any other song was another Another song which was uh, "Rescue Me." "Rescue Me" is another good song on that album as well. But they had fourteen further albums. Yeah, the last one being in twenty twenty one. Yeah, Mike Peters have a health issue, a, a health scare or something that rings a bell. Yeah, in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, I yeah, he was ill. I remember it. With his eyes, was it something with his eyes or something? Or... I don't remember, mate. No, I, I can't remember either. I remember, there was an issue. Okay. Anyway, I mean, he's, a, he's a good vocalist, and I think, I mean, for me, Change is their best album by by a long way. Um, but I, yeah, I just think they're, you know, for a band that came out of the punk movement or the new wave movement, they became very, very different and forged out a career, you know, being a minor arena rock band. Certainly not toilet. No, not toilet. Right. Okay. I'm moving on to my next one then. On on a similar, it gets around a little bit as well. This fella, uh, you might well have him as well somewhere on your list. I don't know, but I was really, really wanting Claire to be here to pronounce this name. The place he was born in, but maybe you haven't got it if because all of yours were sort of quite pronounceable. I know, very pronounceable. Okay. Well, this guy was born on the second of August, 1948, in a place called. <clears throat> Does it have a lot of L's in it? No, it doesn't. Oh, well, you should be right. Istradmanach. Something like that, anyway. Uh, it's Y-S-T-R-A-D. Istrad. And Minach. 
M Y N A C H. I think that's Istris Manach. But is it? I, I think, but I may be wrong. I think my my friend Keith, the Baptist minister, who is very Welsh and comes from Swansea, I think he talks about that place as a place that he used to go to. Istrid Manach. Okay. So, well, I was just say he was. We're going to have a laugh with this anyway. This guy, this guy was was born somewhere near Swansea. <laughs> yep. If, if that's better, that's yeah, somewhere near Swansea. That's better. And. In the 60s, okay. he was the founding member of the band Amen Corner. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and they had four successive top 10 hits, 68 and 69. They had, uh, you know who I'm talking about yet? You're getting no. there? Well, I, I'm, I, I'm, you, I'm. You know I, the band? I, yeah, go on. All right. The singles, uh, they had a number three hit. In 68 with Bend Me, Shape Me. Yeah, Bend Me, Shape Me. Remember Any that. Way You Want Me. Uh, and High in the Sky was also a number yep. six hit. They had a number one single in January 69 with If Paradise Is Half it's As Nice. nice. That's a great song. Yeah, Probably had it in my 1969 singles uh, yeah. podcast. Well, I think I might have had Bend It in my 68. I oh, said you mean bend it or you mean bend me shake me bend it was bend another another yeah, band completely yeah and also a number four hit with a roy wood song called hello susan he can't get roy wood in because he's from birmingham uh but he did that they did have a number four hit with that it's close also, to what birmingham yeah uh, only, only as much as that i am no, I suppose it's a bit, it's a bit ridiculous. It's a bit it's closer. It's much nearer than you are. How, well, how far is it from Birmingham to Wales then? It's not that far, is it? Yeah, Birmingham, so Birmingham, Wolverhampton, it's all over the border. Okay. Your geography is better than mine then. I, Wales, I did A-level, mate. Birmingham, <laughs> is, is Birmingham sort of level with the North Wales or is it no. mid-Wales? Mid well, kind of, it's between the two, isn't it? You can okay. you go through, you go past, and then you go up to Shrewsbury and across the border. There's loads of different ways of going. Anyway, loads, there's loads of different parts of Wales. North, moving, south, moving swiftly middle, on. Middle. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway Birmingham's not that far. His his name is Andy Fairweather Low. Low. All right, Andy Fairweather Low, and he after the Amen Corner split the. Uh, he had a, another band called Fair Weather, and uh, they had a number six hit in 1970 with Natural Sinner. Um, a Natural Sinner, you might you'd recognize it's one of those you'd recognize oh, yeah. if you hear it, and you thought, oh, is that Andy Fairweather low? But he does sound a bit like him. He's got a quite a distinctive voice. Yes, um, yeah. he has. Uh, and then he went solo um, in '74. I, I. I I wasn't buying that many albums around that time, but in 74, apart from the Quo albums, uh, in 74, it was all maybe Southern and Brothers and Quiver, uh, Gallagher and Lyle, who were all of those who were from Scotland. Yeah. Um, but also, Andy Fairweather Lowe's debut solo album called Spider Jiving. Yeah, now I remember that. I which is a that. good album. It, it, yeah. it had, it was just, obviously it's a 12 inch vinyl record, but the sleeve gave the appearance of a seven inch single. It was quite, quite unique. Yeah. Well, I say quite unique, unique. 
You can't be quite, can you? You can't sort of... You're either unique or you're not. You're either unique or you're not. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not Simon Cow, but very unique and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he had a hit, a top 10 hit from that reggae tune, which, again, you might recognise if you heard. Uh, and then the following year, had a number six hit with Wide-Eyed and Legless. I remember that. Which was from the either La Bougarouga album, I think, or Bebop and Holler. There's a lot of artists that he got together for that album. People like, well, John David again, or John Williams, not the Star Wars guy. Uh, Georgie Fame on piano. Um, you had on backing vocals, you had Jerry Rafferty and Joe Egan from Steelers Wheel. That's not a bad backing band. You had uh, Benny Gallagher and uh, Graham Lyle of Gallagher and Lyle, McGuinness Flint, etc. You had Bernie Leadon on guitar and banjo. It's fine. From the Eagles, yeah. Uh, and he, since then, he had a, a few albums. Since then, he's pretty much been a session musician and a backing vocals and guitarist in your favourite artist, Eric Clapton's backing band, basically. Saw, I saw Andy Fairweather Low with Clapton at the Royal Albert Hall. In particular, on the Unplugged album, he's on the guitar, yeah. uh, uh, strumming I, along. I I can't remember. I don't know which album he was promoting, but I saw him as part of that 20, was it 24 or 26 night residency he did at the Royal Yeah, yeah. Well, you saw him there. Okay. I saw him as uh, one of those and he was brilliant. He he was on that. Chuck Lavelle was in it. So, I mean, it, that, that, was great, that was great a great pianist. Yeah. Great it was pianist. a great band. I mean, but, yeah. he, he's done backing vocals for Roy Wood, Leo Sayer, Jerry Rafferty yeah. and Richard and Linda Thompson, all in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Uh, back, he did backing vocals on the song "Who Are You" uh, by uh, the Who. Uh, he's worked with uh, Roger Waters, another one you probably aren't that keen on these days. No, he's an absolute dick. And after today, I'm never going to listen to Pink Floyd again, or at least I'm going to stop listening to the bits he plays. Oh, what a moron! Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I won't mention that album that we were talking about or the tour. Oh, he's probably on tour with the pros and cons of hitchhiking tour, and um, yeah. I'd I'd saw him live as well, like you. Maybe it was at the Albert Hall. Right. He was he was playing amongst many other a glittering lineup, glittering stars at the concert for George, for George right. Harrison in two thousand two. Um, he's been married to Barbara, the sister of Amen Corner bandmate Neil Jones, all this time, and he had a new album out on. Well, no, a new album coming out on the 24th of February this year, recorded during the COVID lockdowns and stuff. So Andy Fairweather Low is Are you been rushing around the corner to buy that? Not to Woolworths, obviously. Not to Woolies. Like, or our price. To run to get. Our pro- are they still? No, they're not only our prices anymore, are they? They've all gone. No, sh- I might be downloading it. You never know. In fact, I've downloaded the um, single that's already been, uh, well, the first track, you know, like they, yeah, yeah. They yeah. sorry drop as the kids say uh, when the first song has dropped. Um, and yeah, I've got that, it's good, very bluesy, jazzy, love it. And he's playing everything and singing everything on it. So, uh, so something to be proud of, All right? It's Andy for you next, okay? So, my next band, um, have had songs covered by. Iron Maiden, Metallica, Megadeth, and Van Halen, to name but four. 
and they um, were formed in Cardiff in 1967 by Burke Shelley and they are one of that group of threesomes where you've got so many great bands which are only three people and these guys very much fell into that category and it is budgie budgie i was gonna say budgie because you requested a budgie song um on on the radio show when you had a bit of a welsh link last last week that's why i did it because i was thinking about about um so they were a welsh heavy metal band um and they record they formed in 67 and they did a demo in 68 but um their first album wasn't released until 1971 and that was very much a kind of very bluesy but bluesy hard rock um was reduced it was produced by Roger Bain it was released by MCA um and it it really is a classic like Rory Gallagher's band um and like so many other bands um it's a classic power trio so guitar the guitar vocalist drums bass um with occasional keyboard player and they released 10 albums with MCA with A&M and with RCS between 1971 and 1982 and so that's pretty well one a year um and they had a a fair number of fans, um, modest commercial success, but they are very much seen as being one of the earliest. Then they're, they're seen as being one of the earliest heavy metal bands. I, I, they're not heavy metal, um, but according to quite a few people, including Gary Sharp Young, um, they were very much an influence to acts that came after them particularly the new wave of british heavy metal so the likes of saxon etc and then bands like metallica um they've been noted as being quote unquote among the heaviest metal of the day so um i love this story so the original lineup was burke shelley on vocals and bass tony borge on guitar and vocals ray phillips on drums but he was replaced um by um he was replaced shortly after um having played several gigs in 1968 um they changed the name to budgie um i can't remember what they were called um previously but they changed the name to budgie um in 1969 um and recorded their first demo (laughs) this is great they'd um they'd initially decided that they were going to go under the name of six ton budgie Six ton budgie. Six ton budgie, but they decided that the shorter single word was preferable. And Burke Shelley tells this great story. He says that the name of the band came from the fact that he loved the idea of playing quote unquote noisy heavy rock, but calling ourselves after something diametrically opposed to that. Uh, which I just thought was could have, was, could, have, could have called themselves 
my dad, actually. Well, they, they could have called themselves absolutely anything, you know, but I mean, they, they went with budget. Actually, um, no. But their, um, that first album was recorded at Rockfield Studios with um, Black Sabbath, with Roger Bain was Black Sabbath's producer. Um, and then I guess that their two f- most well-known albums were um, 1972, Squawk, <laughs> obviously budgie squawk oh, yeah. uh, and then the third album never turn your back on a friend um in which was released in 1973 and that um contained bread fan which was the one that you played on played the, for you the other day the um and then none of those three were hit albums it would appear well, none of them, they didn't have any hit albums yeah. they, they, were, they were a real cult a real cult band and for those people who like that kind of music and i i think they were the I don't see them as heavy metal. I see them as blues rock, but, you know, very much at the hard end of blues rock. Um, but they, um, but but it was Bread Fan, which was covered by Metallica. And then also, and that was in 1987, and then they also covered another Budgie song, um, which is on my, my Budgie Greatest Hits album, which is um, Crash Course in Brain Surgery, which I love as a title. Um, and... Um, then the fourth album was called In for the Kill, um, and Ray Phillips was reputed, was replaced by Phil Boot, and then Phil Boot was replaced in 1974 by Steve Williams. Okay. And Steve Williams then comes back in various um bands and various guises. Um, and that was for band that was for Bandolier. Um and another, then another Williams. Yeah. And then the follow-up to Bandolier was called, and I, what I love about Budgie, as well as loving the music, is all of the weird names and things. Um, so um, the follow-up to Bandolier was called If I Were Britannia, I'd Wave the Rules, <laughs> which is just really clever, isn't it? Um, and then they got a second guitarist, Miff Isaac, um, and then Impeccable, um, which came out in 78, was featured in J-Men Forever, which became a kind of cult 1980s um, uh, film classic, you know, a cult classic. And then they, and what was really interesting about them was they continued to have success right through the new wave of British heavy metal. They played Reading in 1980 and then headlined Reading in 1982. Um, and they are really, really massive in Poland where they were the first heavy metal band to play behind the Iron Curtain in 1982. Mm. And they were the support on Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz tour. So they they very much fall into that kind of category of, you know, three-man, hard-rocking, um, kind of tongue-in-cheek a bit, because, you know, like the album titles, the the... The, the names of the, you know, Bread Fan as opposed to Bread Van. And um, one of their other songs is called Napoleon, Napoleon Boner Part 1 and 2. And they just kind of, they just have this kind of slightly off, you know, sense of humour to it. And I, I, I've always liked them, you know, not, I don't, I've never seen them live, but I, you know, I, they're the sort wow. of band who I would have done. Um, so, um, yeah, but um, I, I think they, they have a very they have a place in British rock history, um, and, and and I think rightly so. I just I was going to say that are they like the, the Slade equivalent with but with the album titles, 
You, you mentioned if I were Britannia, I'd waive the rules. But I managed to get two T's in Britannia there. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and it, I got a K in impeccable. I noticed yes. as well. <laughs> exactly. So and it's all spelt weird. It's saying they didn't have um, any hits, but in fact, uh, album-wise, In for the Kill, yeah, got to number twenty-nine. Uh, yeah, Bandolier in seventy-five got to thirty-six. They were maybe like in the, the mid 70s and then had another in the 60s in 81 with night flight and 82 would deliver us from evil yeah and that was that was kind of like oh man uh, yeah and and, they, and then they kind of stopped you know they they, they kind of died a death at, at that point in the early mid 80s but i think that if you if you ask anybody who's into nawabam then they would quote Budgie as being a major influence on those new wave of British heavy metal bands for sure. Yeah, I don't, no, don't, I'm not not uh, not heard too much by them. I must rectify this. I must rectify well, this. You, you need to rectify it on a day when you're not feeling stressed that in the need for easy listening because Enya they are not. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean, when I, when you play Bread Fan, you know it's it's a hard rocking. You know, great guitar, you know, very much a rocky drum sound and a pounding bass line and, you know, the occasional keyboard whittle, but um, very definitely not Rick Wakeman. There you go. You got him in there. You got him in there. Well, you um, it, so. All right. Now, well, you did say I was going to mention the Beatles. I suspect this might be the reason why you said it. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. And in fact, Pete Sears messaged me earlier because I because one of the bands that I'm going to talk about later, I said, Do any of you guys remember this? And then Thea Dawson came back and said, Yeah, I loved them. And Pete went, I think I remember one of the songs. Um, and then he said, presumably at some point, if you're talking Welsh acts, you're going to talk about. And I went, No, I won't, but I bet you a million dollars that Colin will. Bad finger. No. <laughs> After all that build-up. Well, okay. No, I knew you were going to choose Badfinger. Oh, for all that, but that I knew you were going to choose Badfinger. They're on my list of bands Colin is going to choose. But that I was thinking about someone else anyway. Oh, and right. Okay, well, maybe I'll have that as well. I don't know. Yeah, Badfinger. I mean, I, we've talked about Badfinger a few times in the past, so I, I don't want to spend too long on. Uh, formed in Swansea in the sixties as the Ivies. They were renamed to Badfinger. Yep. Um, after it, it was the, the name was proposed by Neil Aspinall, the uh, Beatles. Was he the road manager? I think he was. Um, and after the, with a little help from my friends, a, a lot of the times, probably with other bands as well, but with the Beatles too, they had sort of working titles before they came up with with a little help from my friends, and with a little help from my friends, the working title was bad finger boogie so that's that's where they got the name from bad finger uh at apple records mccartney then produced their first single come and get it which is a top five hit over here in the uk but they also had uh, no matter what which was produced by mal evans now he, he was he the road manager maybe they had two road managers uh, the Beatles, no matter what. Uh, Day After Day, which was produced by George Harrison, and Baby Blue, which was a, a big hit. That was produced by Todd Rundgren. Is that It's All Over Now, Baby Blue? 
No, this is Baby Blue. As in, did you ever watch ba- uh, Breaking Bad, the show? No. Okay, well, this won't mean a lot to you, but it sort of it plays out in the final scenes of Breaking Bad. That's why it got a lot, a lot more airplay. Um, it wasn't a hit over here in the UK, but it was. They had more success in the states, but they uh, had a, a tormentuous time, if that's the right word. Um, without you, Pete Ham and Tom Evans wrote and was a massive hit. What well, not for them? Oh, for Nielsen. Uh, but for Nielsen, it was a big number one. It was also number one for Mariah Carey, which we won't talk about. But they were humongous hits, made them a lot of money, but, of course, their own version of it wasn't. Uh, and Come and Get It, of course, which was their biggest hit as a band, here in the UK, certainly, that, wasn't their hear, song. If, is it, if you want to hear it, is Come and Get It. Yes. Right, okay. So, um, um, yeah, it's a typical McCartney song. He, he just yes. wrote the song, Abbey Road, one demo of it, gave it to him and said, right, you can, I'll produce you. You can do it like this. And they did it exactly like that. And it featured in the Magic Christian film, movie, with Ringo in it, I think, in the late 60s as well. Um, but all of their legal, managerial, uh, financial problems that they had in the mid-70s led to the sad uh, demise of Pete Ham, who took his own life in 75. He was swiftly followed, if that is right, in eight years, in 1983, by Tom Evans, who also uh, committed suicide. Um, in fact, one of the other members, um, Mike Gibbons, um, died in 2005 as well of a brain aneurysm. Uh, it's only Joey Holland... Sorry, Mullen, sorry, who's left of the original band. But, yeah, that's Badfinger. They are Welsh, so they've got to qualify for me in I, the Welsh bands. I, I very definitely knew that you were going to choose Badfinger. But, and there was a yeah, Beatles link. Yeah, well, yeah, but there's another Beatles link in Wales as well, and I'm now wondering whether Pete and I have been barking up the wrong tree here. I'm now going to be very upset if you don't mention this particular artist. But, anyway, that's, another, that's another story. All right, you're going to say that artist now, or are you going to leave that uh, for me? Yeah, I'll go on now. I'll throw it in. Mary, Hopkin. I'm not going to. Me- well, I can mention her, but I haven't got her in there. Well, Matt, talk about Mary Hopkin because Pete said Pete said to me, "You're not going to mention bloody Mary Hopkin, are you?" And I went, "No," but I bet Colin does because there's a link with Paul McCartney. Well, there is. Uh- <laughs> there is definitely a link with Paul McCartney. I mean, he produced uh, the "Those Were the Days," yeah, uh, which was. Um, a Russian, uh, which we don't like to talk about at the moment, uh, song, folk song that he uh, well, that she sang rather well, actually. She, she was beautiful, on, beautiful voice on Opportunity Knocks. I think she won it. She did. I think. Also yeah. represented Euro, uh, UK in Eurovision in nineteen seventy. Was she one of the ones who came second? I think so. Yeah, but That's in those days, there's only about eight or nine countries in it. It's not like these days when you have about 62 countries. Um, Half of whom are in Europe. But anyway, let's not move. Moving swiftly. Very true. Israel, Australia, I mean, very European. Australia is a bit of a dodgy one in Europe. (laughs) That's not at all European, is it? They pay pay the money. (laughs) Contribute, then they're in it. But yeah, she was, um, she didn't have that many hits. I mean, Goodbye was another McCartney song she had a hit with that. But yeah, those were the days. I mean, it, it was the second probably the first proper 
Apple Records single. Yes. Um, because Hey Jude, Hey Jude, although I think might have had an Apple One, um, what's the word? Not label number, um, catalog yeah, number. That's what I'm looking for. It had the catalog number of Apple One, but it still had Parlophone the sleeve. Uh, Mary Hopkins was the first one that was Apple. Um, and of course, she then, I think I've mentioned this before, did a backing vocal for David Bowie's Sound and Vision. She did. When she was married to the producer of said song and album, Low uh, Visconti. Yes. Was that on Low? Yes. Yeah, it was on Low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so there no, you go. I've mentioned no, no, that. No, 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 no. Sound and Vision is. Um... Oh, station to station. station. No, station to station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That album. And that is, and that is Tony Visconti produced. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So there you go. I've mentioned uh, Mary Hopkins. Well, I'm me. pleased that we've now done that. If Pete is listening, he'll now be very, very happy that we've Good. Uh, mentioned Does he it. like the song? I, I, I doubt it very much. <laughs> and, 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 if, and if he does, I'll never speak to him again. So, <laughs> which is which is a bit of a thing to say to you, oh, best well. Yeah, well, I quite like the song. I quite like the song. I'm no, sorry. I'm it's joking. It's quite long. She's, it is quite long, and she's got she has got a lovely voice. She has yes. got a lovely voice. okay, like as as indeed all Welsh people have, and like established earlier on yeah. uh, in this podcast. Anyway, right. so, come on, tell me your next one. Okay, well, you know where you know where this is going. So basically, you, um, and, and I saw this lovely quote, um, quote unquote, throw a stick in a Merthyr Tidville pub. And you'll hit someone who was a member of, toured with, or saw the first gig of much storied rockers man back in 1968. Deep Leonard led them to be more psych progressive, and surely only a Welsh band could christen an album, Do You Like It Here Now? Are You Settling In? So that's kind of like a little introduction. I I absolutely love Man. Um, I love the music. I love their story. I love the total lunatic anarchy in the background to the whole thing. Um, going back to John Peel, I think if I don't know if you remember, but he did this whole series called Rock Family Trees. That rings a bell. Yeah. Right. And and you know, it's kind of like the the player, the people who've been in all these different places. Man's rock family tree is just insane with all of these different people who've been involved. Um, they were formed in 1968 as a reincarnation of, not unsurprisingly, a vocal group, the bystanders. Um, but they are now what then you couldn't have got further from their original roots because um and maybe this is why i love them um but what they became renowned for was these massively long extended jam sessions during their live performances um and if you listen to any of their live albums or any of the the, the, the standalone live albums um then you know things like 71715551 which is my favorite track of Deep Leonard song um that goes on for ever um so um they um so current lineup is yeah current mm-hmm. lineup is Martin Ace more of him later Josh Ace who i'm assuming is his son uh James Beck Shane Dixon Malcolm Morley 
Jane Speck clearly isn't Private Walker in Dad's Army. No, I, I it was thought that. Back, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, he, died, he died, didn't he? They, um, the, so, so that's the current lineup, but there's been 18 different band members over their duration. The classic lineup is Martin Ace, who's still in the band, Mickey Jones, who you will know on guitar, uh, Deke Leonard, John McKenzie, Phil Ryan, and Terry Williams, the aforementioned Drummer. Terry Williams on yeah. drums. Yeah. Um, and then on Maximum Darkness, which was their 1975 live album, which was the first man album I bought, um, they, um, they had John Kipolina, who is, you know, a very, he wasn't in the band for very long, but he was he was on Maximum Darkness. And interesting, and it's weird how these things happen. One of the guys I follow on Twitter, he always posts these, um, uh, you know, uh, chart lists from America and the UK and kind of rock history stuff. And bizarrely today, he he, he posted something which was um, a, uh, a kind of like a little article in Melody Maker about the upcoming tour of the man band in support of their new live album maximum darkness and and then the tour was in august 1975 and and they were playing with a band called o and an acoustic musician called um john johnson field and the first um the first gig of the maximum darkness tour was a free concert at Harlow Park. Was it really? And I was there. Oh, that was, there used to be loads of free, there used to be a free concert what, at least once a month at Harlow Park, and I saw quite a few bands there. But man... It's about half an hour from where I am at the moment, probably yep. a bit further for Pete nowadays, but when he was, when he were a young kid in the in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, it still wasn't that far from him. No, and it was a really good venue, and I, I saw a few bands there. Um, but uh, but I just thought it was funny that this kind of it came up literally today on Twitter. Um, so I sent him a message and said, "Yeah, I was at that gig, and it was brilliant." Um, so, but so so they've had these eighteen people. You've got this. You've got this classic lineup. In July twenty seventeen, the official Man discography listed. Get this, four hundred and twenty-three releases on seventy-five labels. These albums, releases. Yeah, okay. Four hundred and twenty-three releases on seventy-five labels in twenty-four different countries, and they. Have and got, you've got them all, and you've got them all. No, no, no I've, Gordon's Gordon's picking. He's he's getting you me are. the best ones. All um, right. I had some stuff on tape, and you know stuff which I've lost over the years. But what I love about Man, and this is a little bit like Budgie, it must be a Welsh thing. They have some of the great album titles. So September nineteen sixty nine, two ounces of plastic with a hole in the middle. I mean, what a great what a great album title. Um, <laughs> November seventy one. Do you like it here now? Are you settling in? Which was the one I referenced. You mentioned that one, yeah. November 72, be good to yourself at least twice a day. 
you don't even want to go there with what that's about. At least once a day. Uh, quite. Yes. <laughs> May 1974, Rhinos, Winos and Lunatics. Now, on that album, there is a song called Scotch Corner. And if you read the write-up about why they wrote the song, they were holed up at Scotch. Have you ever been to Scotch Corner? I think we've transited it, transited it between England and Scotland, yeah? Yeah, right. So basically, you drive to the end of England, and just before you fall into Scotland, you come to Scotch Corner. It's It's an absolute shithole, (laughs) and and, and it's awful. And and, and, and on the the album, they basically talk about the fact that they they, they must have been on tour, and they ended up in Scotch Corner and observed that if you were going to commit suicide, this would be a place you'd go to do. Oh, right. Okay. And, and and so and and this was uh, this was and then I love this in May two thousand and two. Now bearing in mind what was happening in the early two thousands with MTV etc., they pro- they produced an album called Undrugged. <laughs> I just I mean that is just that is classic. That is That's absolutely not... classic. That so is amazing. The, <laughs> But they had some normal albums, it's slow motion on it. Yeah. But then the other thing that they're really famous for is these great live albums. So Maximum Darkness, which was September 75, is just it's it's a quintessential live album. It's raw, it's dirty, it's kind of loads of noise in the background. You can hear them plugging stuff in. I mean, it's a real, real proper live album but they they produced and they brought one out in july 1973 called christmas at the patty and that would it was it was an it was it was a live concert where they invited loads of their mates and guests to play and then there were some complaints and the gig had to finish early and because it finished early they didn't get to play much of a set so it's in the it's in the man canon of albums, but there's only eleven and a half minutes of man on it, and everything else is other people, including the aforementioned Dave Edmonds. Oh, now, so this is brilliant. It was originally released as a limited edition double ten inch album, not seven, not no. twelve, ten. Let's get Gordon so, on that. It's worth a fortune. Yeah. So and 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 it was because it was a limited edition. It had a recommended retail price of one pound forty three, and it topped the budget album chart that when it came out, mm-hmm. and it was subsequently released on CD, and then unusually, it was re-released on ten inch vinyl in Italy in two thousand and one. No idea why. No idea why, no. Okay. But then even more famously, because Christmas at the Patty has only got 11 and a half minutes of man on it, but even more famously, live at the Paget Rooms in Penarth, which is famous because they spelt Paget wrong. Um, live at the Paget Rooms, which was released in September 72. The front cover says special limited edition for man fans. And they only made 8,000, they only pressed 8,000 copies. And they were sold at a budget price as well, and they sold out within a week. So it came into the UK mid-priced LP chart at number one. The next week it had totally disappeared, 
and then it was unavailable for 30 years until it was released on CD in 2002. So in Christmas at the Patty and Live at the Paget Rooms, you've got these two absolutely unique albums. Graham Seeley, who you will remember, has got both. Mm-hmm. They are worth a lot. Well, I mean, Graham, uh, I'm, I'm sure Gordon will will know, but from what I know, because they were limited runs and because the and because the Patty is a 10-inch album, then it's pretty well unique. So they're worth stuff. And we're talking, are we talking uh sort of psychedelic rock? Well, you see them? that the Deep Leonard era, yeah, they were seen as being kind of a bit proggy. And I and, and I guess that was because a lot of the songs were long, but I don't think they are proggy. They're more blues, rocky. I mean, they've, they've been called psych, prog, pub rock. Prog, blues rock, probably. Blues rock, yeah. yeah. You know, they're very much pub band type. I know. Just- you could see them playing in a in a in a, in a, a five hundred venue somewhere in you know the middle of Wales, Mahuntleth or somewhere. You know, yeah. um, I noticed they're on Pi. Yeah, they were on Pi. The the Pi uh, gears is there. Produced by Ron Schroeder, who um, actually produced a lot of the earlier Quo stuff when they were on Pi. Maybe yeah. it was like a, a stock producer they had at Pie Records. I don't know. And it mentions here, actually, um, at that time of uh, 69 time, two ounces of plastic with a hole in the middle. Um, while mixing the second album, Leonard left. That's right. And was replaced by Martin Ace from Leonard's previous right. band, Dream. At this time, Man were recording three demo sessions a week for Leeds music, including Down the Dustpipe, which was yes. taught to status quo. That's right. Yeah, I saw. I, I saw when I was doing my background reading that they yeah. were down, down the last bite. Okay, so you've managed to throw in so many different people. No, Andy Fair were the low in that though. That's a bit strange. Well, I'm sure at some point or other he must have played with them. He must they? have. Been, he's, he's on the family tree. I mean, that that thing at the beginning, this throwing a stick at anyone in Merthyr in a Merthyrville pub, that really is what it was like. And and, and a man are famous for the fact that these people they came, they went, they came back, they went again, they came back doing a different thing. Then they turned up in because the Flying Aces was another Welsh band that was obviously Martin Aces band. So you, you and they were all linked. It was just this kind of like a trying to wrestle a hydra, trying to work out who was playing for who. Mm. But a fascinating band. I mean, they're really good musicians, and Maximum Darkness is one of the great live albums, really is. Okay, man. Um, I'm going for another guy who this was born, he's a bit younger, born on the 19th of October 1957 in Prestatin, Wales. Prestatin. Just about managed that one, I guess. Prestatin. Prestatin. Um, Now, this guy... From a young age, which is always a good good sign for me, um, he was into the music of the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Dylan, and Love. Ah, oh, one of my favourites. His career, however, started in 77. He was a musical director of the Rocky Horror Show, amazingly, I, I was reading, um, and then became the keyboard player for the Water Boys in 1983 through 1985. Hi. Hi. Um, and he, he played a big part on their 
third third album, I think this is the C. But he left in '85. His name is Carl Wallinger. Don't really know him. No, I don't know anything about him at all. Okay. Uh, well, he left in 85. He was a multi-instrumentalist, so you probably like him. Uh, he was replaced by Guy Chambers, who was his future collaborator. I think he wrote a lot of songs, Guy Chambers, with Robbie Williams, actually. Or wrote them all, and Robbie Williams had his name attached to it. I don't know. Allegedly. Sounds reportedly. Something that uh, something is said. Uh, he's worked on a lot of stuff. Um, Sinead O'Connor's Lion and the Cobra album... Um, and then Sinead O'Connor herself provided backing vocals on his next band's name, his next band, two albums. The names of those, well, the name of the band's World Party. You've not heard of World Party? Now, I have, yes, I have, but I am very much struggling to to remember anything. Anything they did. Okay, well, their first album, Private Revolution, 86, sort of folky, funky, solely. Um, and they, they they did have some hits. Uh, Ship of Fools was... Oh, no, their, no, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Just about a top 40 hit. It was even a, a slightly bigger hit in the States, actually. Um, from their... From, there were four more well-received albums. I would say Goodbye Jumbo, Bang, which had a number of hit singles from, Egyptology, and Dumbing Up. Um, his song, Carl Wallinger's song, She's the One, was originally on the, ooh, which World Party album was on. But anyway, Robbie Williams took that to number one, actually. I still prefer World Party's original version, as you can imagine. Um you probably know Message in a Box. Put the Message in a Box, the single maybe. That got in the top 40. The biggest it was Is It Like Today, got the 19. Give It All Away, 43. All I Gave, 37. Uh, I think they were all from the Bang album. That was probably their big, their big album, I would say. Their most successful commercially, anyway. Um, he was ill for a while. I think he's back, in, back on the scene again now. So, uh, yep, Carl Wallinger. From World Party is my next one. Okay. Well, my next one is a cheat um, because I've taken the, I've gone sideways from the man route um, and I'm going with Iceberg. And Iceberg was Deke Leonard's solo project, which he kind of, when he left man the first time, or maybe the second time he did an Iceberg album, and you played a track off that a couple of weeks ago. I did. Right. So that was his, and, and that album. Someone's requested it subsequently as well, actually, so obviously it, struck a nerve. Well, it, 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 that album is a really, really good album, and a lot of us, a lot of us owned it, it you know, and I, I had it on tape, and obviously don't have a tape player anymore, so I, I bought it a few years ago on CD. Um, but it's um, and, but interestingly, from your point of view, so that album includes Mike Gibbons from Badfinger. Yeah. Byron Berline from the Flying Burrito Brothers. Oh, yeah. And then Tommy Riley, Martin Ace, Bo Adams, who were all off Help Yourself. So yeah. off the, off from from man, man, uh, yeah, and um, 
he needed a band to tour and promote the album, which was basically a solo album. And so he formed Iceberg. Um, and that was with the Corn Crackers, Brian Breeze on guitar, Keith Hodge on drums, and then Paul Burton on bass. Um, and it was when it it was it got really, really good reviews. Um, and the single was called A Hard Way to Live, which wasn't the one I got you to play. It was it that was the other big. I mean, that what I think the one I got you to play was a single, or if not, it's one of the outstanding tracks in the album. But Hard Way to Live was on the BBC playlist. So it was on the Radio One playlist. It was promoted by John Peel. And they did a session for the John Peel sessions in May 73. Um, and then after they toured the album, Martin Ace came in to replace um uh uh Paul Burton and um they did another tour. Dave Charles replaced Hodge. And then they recorded the second album, which was called Kamikaze. And that also had Dave Edmonds on it. So Dave Edmonds. Yeah. So Dave Edmonds was in Iceberg when they did Kamikaze. But that album wasn't anywhere near as successful as the original Iceberg album was. But they did do another Peel session in 1973 in November to support that. And then Martin Nace was replaced by Ken Whaley, who was also in Help Yourself. And then, as this whole convoluted thing, Iceberg then toured Supporting Man. <laughs> and while they were touring Supporting Man, Mickey Jones and Deke Leonard arranged a new version of Man. And when Man split in December 73, he disbanded Iceberg and reformed Man again. And so they reformed several different times with various members. They did another Peel session. Um, but then Deke Leonard left and was working and was playing again with Mann. But then Iceberg supported Deke Leonard when he was playing solo. So, again, it's this whole kind of convoluted relationship between all of these different musicians. And, you know, Kamikaze is OK. But the, 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 there was this one outstanding album. Um a couple of, and again, classic man slash Deke Leonard, you know, Razor Blades and Rattlesnakes was one track. Um, Crosby, Second Class Citizen, which was a song about a dog, which features the dog barking at the beginning. So it was all kind of classically Deke Leonard left field stuff, mm. but it kind of worked. Um, and Broken Ovation, that was the song I got you to play. Um, okay. That's a beautiful song. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good album. And uh, anyone who's listening... If you're going to get one thing by Deke Leonard, then Iceberg, the original, oh. is the one to get. Okay. Okie dokie. I'm going to get a bit more contemporary then, going forward a couple of decades probably from, from then, to a band founded in 1992. Now, I'll definitely need Claire for this one. Shall I spell it? Where he yeah. was born? Where, where they were formed in? Go on. CWM. Come. A-M-A-N. Come on, man. C-W-A-M-A-N. Come, man. Come, man, won't it? Come, man. C-W-M is definitely come, so it's come. Okay, all right. Come, Rue. Come, Rue is Welsh. Welsh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, They're a classic, I would say, UK 
rock band and it, I've read delivered with whiskey vocals. Okay. So they've had 12 albums, 12 albums. Really? Including eight number one albums. Okay. The debut so, was in 97. The album was called Word Gets Around. Okay. And the singles from it were minor hits, Local Boy in the Photograph, More Life in a Tramp's Vest, and A Thousand Trees. They were the, and that was a that was the highest it got, number 22. Uh, but then the mainstream success came in the late 90s, 99, Performance and Cocktails, which had a single, number three single, um, Bartender and the Thief. Who are we talking about here, Cole? Because I'm not... You have no idea. What about the number one single they had, Dakota? They're not ringing any bells to you? String of top ten singles. Stereophonics. Oh, okay. Well, right. So Stereophonics are on my list of bands that I should mention. So I guessed... But I don't know any of of their... Material. And and also, um, this is what was confused me because what I read about Stereophonics said that Kelly Jones is living proof that Aberdeer is a good town to come from, and Aberdeer certainly isn't come um, whatever. No, or maybe they formed the band there. Maybe Kelly Jones oh. lived in a local village or something. I don't know, but he he's a good rock vocalist. They Saw them live just before the the the, the, the first lockdown actually. Well, they're massive, aren't they? I've, I've, I've they saw a great here. quote. They've been derided as "quote unquote" happy shopper manix. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I, I was in two, two minds, two minds between Seraphonics and Manic Street Preachers, because obviously Manic Street Preachers have to be mentioned as well. Well, I've, um, I've got I've got them on my undercard of other bands that ought to get mentioned. So ought to get mentioned. All right. Preachers. Um, you might even have heard of some of their songs, Manic Street Preachers. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that a big hit. Have a nice day, Seraphonics from there. Well, yeah. originally the album was called Jeep, but they they got into legal issues with that title, so they had to change it to Just Enough Education to Perform. Have a nice day is referred to on the thing I and, and but I looked at a kind of rock bands from Wales thing, which might have been mm. like Kerrang or something. Um, and, and, and Have a Nice Day is referred to as, quote-unquote, Radio 2 Insipid. <laughs> not 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 keen on it, then. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote this is clearly not. Clearly <laughs> not a fan. You can't cut it. <laughs> so the rock- it's, 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 a, it's a decent song. It's a decent song. They, they did Adam, a, what about Adam Helber? They had a good cover in, 90, in 2001, sorry, got to number four, uh, Handbags and Glad Rags. Yes, I saw that they. I saw they'd done a cover of that. Um, I don't know, but um, which, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a good vocal. It, well, it's just a great song, isn't it? Um, by the other man, Manfred Mann's singer Mike Darbo. Yes, but they've had no hit singles since 2015. But I think a lot of these bands don't even bother with singles anymore, do they? Knock out, knock out an album and do a massive stadium tour and trousers of the. Cast. Well, that's it. That's where the money's made, isn't it? Right, he's so stereophonics. He's referred to as a little man with a big voice. Sounds about right. Do, uh, do you know the song Madame Helga? I know it. I know the name. I, I couldn't sing it for you. No, but that's just that it's the other one that's mentioned along with Have a Nice Day, the rock radio friendly Madame Helga. 
not not keen on that one either. Then maybe. I, I, I as I say, I don't know. I, I mean, I know stereophonic stuff, but I don't know enough about them. The same as I don't know enough about Manic Street Preachers. I know that they did this kind of masses against the classes, and if you tolerate your children, will next. You know, if you tolerate this, your children will be next, and various others. But um, see, I've written down where the Manics were formed, but I can't even read it. But is it Black Blackwood or something in Wales in '86? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Manics, they've got to be mentioned. Everything Must Go, and This Is The Truth, probably their biggest two albums, are they? Described as prolific, consistently intriguing lefties, evolving from punk agit rockers to hit-making national treasures, a neat and incongruous trick. trick. Mm. Unreconstructed love for Guns N' Roses, The Who and Rush. Probably a mix of them all, yeah. There's only three of the three of the main band members now but obviously that uh there's the mystery of course of uh richie richie edwards he, was it he disappeared didn't he he disappeared way back when yeah yeah in in fact he in february 95 he disappeared yeah. he's pronounced pronounced dead in 2008 i think he's probably living on an island in thailand living on some desert island listening to a, a bunch of songs is he's probably in the list for us yeah, yeah, he's probably done that. Right, so Manix, you got to mention anyone else? Well, I've got others to mention, but I've, I've got one more of my kind of list. Go on, of... Then. throw that one in. Okay, so this is this is my one, which is my um, the one which is real left field. Um, I don't know whether you will have ever heard of them. Um, Sassafras. I have heard of them. Right. Okay. So Sassafras are amazing. I've never heard of Iceberg, though. I didn't remember Iceberg, but you, I played one, you said, the other day. You played an Iceberg track. Maybe I hadn't heard of it then. You anyway, Sassafras, yeah. Sassafras, right. So formed in 1970 in South Wales, still active. Um, they've only had nine members in their entire history, which from Stucky. 1970 to 2017 is... Is pretty good going. Um, they are they're an interesting band. They are a mix of rock and roll, prog, and country. And what they were famous for was this kind of twin guitar solo sound, Dice Shell and Ralph Evans. Um, Ricky John Holt on bass, Rob Reynolds on drums. 1972, they signed to George Martin's Air Productions. All right. And when they did that at George Martin's instigation, they added Terry Bennett on vocals and Rob Jones on drums. And that's pretty well, you know, that's six of them. That's pretty well the lineup. There was another three who've kind of come and gone. Um, and they've released an album in 1973 called Expecting Company. Um, they, they're interesting. They, they toured the US with 10 Years After. They toured with Fleetwood Mac. They toured with Peter Frampton. They played festivals, very much loved by the critics, but had no real commercial success right. at all. Um, I remember them. I remember a record being played by them. I'm sure in the mid seventies. I'm going to get you to play one tomorrow because uh, I I just downloaded both of their albums, both of their famous Is albums on Spotify. Wheeling, wheeling, yeah. wheeling, and dealing might might be the song that was played. Yeah, that's right, it's a great because some songs you know in the mid seventies they got played a hell of a lot. Yeah, well, it, and, and it, it just did. didn't get anywhere. No, but but it, it's a really really good song. Um, 
But they would in America so, because you get airplay on the radio included into the uh, exactly. billboard. So um, they're described, and I, I think this is absolutely right because I listened to two or three tracks earlier on this evening while I was getting dinner and sorting out. They're described as, quote, unquote, a sort of Welsh Fleetwood Mac slash Eagles hybrid with soaring West Coast melodies and a real road trip rock feel. And I think that's about right. You can imagine driving down the California Coast Highway listening to listening with the roof down, listening to Sassafras. Oh, see, I uh, think when you saw it on West Coast, I was thinking about Clandudno. Yeah, no, not Clandudno or, or <laughs> Towin or Aberystwyth Abba, or indeed anywhere of that nature. Um, do you know what they hold the record for? Uh, is it the biggest number of S's in the band name? No, but that's a, that's a good call. It's <laughs> a very good call. Yeah. A, a sassafras is a, is a plant, I discovered. Anyway, no, they hold the record for the highest number of gigs in a single year in the United Kingdom. Really? How many gigs did they play in a single year? I think this was 1971 or 72. Uh, I would say, well, presumably they got to have a bit of a break. Um, I would say 335. 332. Oh, I wasn't bad. You were very good. 332 <laughs> beating Slade by one. And that's spelt W-O-N. So Slade played 331 in a calendar year and Sassafas played 332. Cool, okay. And they're a real niche band that lots of people have never heard of. Mm. But, but when you listen to them, you go, you know what? Actually, they're really well, bad. Good. They were no, bad. No, they're a really good band. And they and, and as I say, they're still around. There's a, a YouTube thing of them playing in Cardiff in, in 2022. So they're still very much playing. Um, but I think what makes them is that that dual guitar sound, that Dyshell and Ralph Evans guitar, which is kind of like the Eagles. It's kind of like Joe Walsh and, um, uh, and Glenn Fry. It's, it's that kind of it's that kind of sound. Um, so, I should have looked up, looked up that on the screen. I've just noticed it says about Slade and it says beating the record. And it was 332 beating Slade by one. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to. Ah. You said three hundred and something. I thought you've just been looking at this. You no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't well, know. You did very well. I'm now. impressed. I'm impressed, Colin. So well, anyway, I, well, was... I knew how many days there were in a year. I thought they're not going to do Well, yeah, yeah it, it could have been a leap year. It could have been three hundred. Christmas, Christmas and Easter off. But they and, could have uh, squeezed a few. And I know uh, South Mother's finest. Got to get them mentioned as well. They they are in the Guinness Book of Records for four big big gigs. In one day, in a manner of hours, Glasgow, Sheffield, Birmingham, and London. I, in, I, think, I think bands should do this sort of thing, really. It's, it's what makes you unique. Yeah. Anyway, so Sassafras, great Sassafras. name. A real famous band, but like, like so many of the bands I've chosen, I mean, none of these are massive global bands. And, and, and I think that's part of kind of what I like about the Welsh music scene. It, you know, there's you've got the biggies like the Stereophonics and and the Max mm. and a couple of others that I'll mention in a minute. Yeah. But you, but you've and you've got your Tom Joneses and your you know Charlotte Churches, Charlotte and, Church, 
and Aled Jones and you know all these people. But but I just think their rock scene is really interesting and rootsy, and that, and that's why I that's why I like it. You love it, okay. Um, right, we can get onto a few of these other names in in a second. I'm just going to throw in because I jokingly mentioned him at the start, and since we've gone through the alarm, I'm just going to mention him anyway, and that is the unmistakable. Well, he was born on the 9th of April, 1948, in Cardiff. Michael Barrett was his his uh, birth name. Okay. Um, he was the UK's biggest selling singles artist in the 1980s. Was he? Shaky. Was he the biggest sing? Biggest selling singles artist. UK single. UK. The UK's biggest selling singles artist in the 1980s. Steps back in amusement um, because I know he gets ridiculed. He's had 33 top 40 singles. I've seen Shaking Stevens live. Well, we saw him supporting the South London's Finest uh, a few months back at the Ovo Arena. I saw him at the, I think... It was the Freshers Ball in 1976 at Hull. And it was Shaking Stevens and the Sunsets. Shaking Stevens and Sunsets, which, of course, he he started with the Sunsets in the early, with Dave Edmonds producing his first album with the Sunsets. A lot of covers, um, things like Sea Cruise, Daddy's Rock and Roll, Sweet Little Rock and Roller, stuff like that. Um, by the I mid- can't be honest. He was very good live. I mean, it's yeah. nice for music, but it, but you know, we'd had a few beers and it was the, the university was full of freshers. I mean, as soon as he became successful, I mean, he, he he was seen by Jack Good and he was cast in the musical, the new musical Elvis in 1977. He played Elvis in his prime years. I think even you would admit probably his prime years, the early period of time. The Vegas years was sung, were covered by, um, uh, PJ Proby, do you remember him from the 60s? I do. Now, interestingly, PJ Proby did an album with Focus, one of my fave prog bands. Ah. Focus Con Proby. Well, there you go. Which he's not alive the, now, is he? I don't think he's alive anymore. To Mother Focus. But he had he had a number of hit singles, uh, number ones, in fact, four number ones: "This Old House," "Green Door," yeah, "Oh Julie," house. "Merry Christmas, Everyone." Um, which was put back a year because of the Band-Aid thing in 84. Yeah. Wasn't invited on that. Probably had the ump. And he did it. He got to number one in, in uh, 85, Christmas number one that year. Believe it or not, the Sunsets were an early support act for the Rolling Stones in December 1969. Wow. I know. You learn you learn something every day, don't you? Um, success eluded him anyway with the Sunsets did his solo career, did the Elvis business. And then in the 80s, he had this string of hit singles. And the early stuff around 80, 81, there's a lot of Dave Edmonds-ish. I don't know whether he might even have produced one of his, one of his early, one of the first ones. Um, but a lot of the, the stuff, Stuart Coleman was a producer. And it's just some great, just great guitar, rock and roll, rockabilly stuff. But because because he became massively successful and he looked old compared to the age he was trying to portray, I think, and he was trying to be Elvis, 
uh, with his dance moves, I think he just tends to get ridiculed quite a bit, maybe quite rightly at times. Um, In 2016, he did a a new album of, it was called Echoes of Our Times, and also a single, which was a version of his Merry Christmas, everyone, which I must admit, I mean, I don't mind shaky. I'm not loath to admit it. No, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Um, I'm loath to admit it. No, I'm not loath to admit it. But anyway, uh, not my greatest Christmas favourite song, actually, Merry Christmas, everyone. But he did like a sort of Americana-ish version of it called Echoes of Merry Christmas, everyone, which was a minor hit, top 30, nearly top 20. uh, And I did like that. And, of course, I saw him live very recently, as I said, supporting status quo. He had a heart attack, actually, in 2010. Um, so he's come back, he's come back fighting. Good old shaky. He's now what? What is he born? 48, I said. So he's what? 75, 75 years old. So shaky, even though he's not going to be anywhere near your lists, I thought I'm going to give him a mention. Yeah, right. So, That's it. And of course, Bonnie Tyler, you didn't mention, of course, but you hate her as well. Her voice is, is Kate Bush levels of awful. Um, the um so there's a few others which I think we should because we've mentioned Matt the Mannix and the Stereophonics. You've got yes. one, you've got four other bands who are are certainly have got a cult following. So you've got um you've got Cardiff-based heavy rock, glam, psychedelia, punk, soul, electronica, and everything else in between, bringing it all together in their own skewed, colourful, warmly subversive. Cosmos, adored by an army of diehard fans, the most creative, eclectic, left-field collective to emerge from Wales or indeed anywhere else for that matter. Oh, uh, I don't know. Super furry animals. Super furry animals. Yep, oh, absolutely. There okay. There we go. Yeah, um, that's, that's on my list. You've got Newport's Finest. Punchy Anthemic Rock. Feeder. Yep, feeder. Okay, got them down as well. You have got a um, post uh, a modern post hardcore band, a sextet formed in two thousand and one. A real cult, real cult following. No, funeral for a friend. Oh, they Welsh. I haven't even got them written down on the list. Yeah. And then... Oh, yes, I have. I've written it as F-F-A-F. There's almost as many Fs in that as there are S's in And then you've got a band who were formed under the name Jeff Killed John. And they started doing covers of Metallica and Nirvana but they're now one of the biggest names in the metalcore scene, a million albums in the States, five million albums worldwide, most successful Kerrang Awards category of best British band with three wins. Growing up, tell me. Bullet for my Valentine. All right, similarly, I think they're along the lines of uh, Funeral for a Friend as well. Okay. Um, Yeah, I've got a few names here that I wouldn't even have, well, of course, John Cale. Yeah, well, yeah, John. He was um, a member of Velvet Underground. Velvet Underground, yeah. But he's I had a stack of solo albums as well. He's got a new album out 
this week, I think, because I was reading an article about him. I think it was in The Guardian last week. Um, he, he's literally got a new album coming out any time now. He hasn't changed. Still as anarchic and weird as he ever was. Real character. Weird as I ever was. That was David Byrne in Talking Heads or not something like that. Um, you know, the only ones I've, I've got on my list, I don't know, we've met, we mentioned Bonnie Tyler briefly, uh, John Cale, Mary Hopkin, Roger Glover as well. What from Supertramp? No, that's Roger Hodgson. Oh, that's Roger Hodgson. Roger Glover yeah, as in Deep Purple. Deep Purple, yeah, yeah. And bass guitar on South London's finest Wild Side of Life when Alan Lancaster wasn't around. And yeah. he produced that song as well. Racing Cars, do you remember them? I do remember racing cars. They did. They shoot horses. Song. They shoot yeah. horses. Don't I, I saw them live too. Racing cars I played at Hull. Did. I, yeah, the racing cars played at Hull when they brought out they shoot horses, don't they? And in fact, weirdly, we decided that for because I was chairman of the RAG committee that year, and we decided what would be a really good wheeze was to do a marathon dance, which is what they shoot horses, don't they? Was about. So we did this twenty-four hour marathon dance, which was a killer. And I probably never recovered. But was, think, well, was that in, in the middle of New Wave time, wasn't it, Racing Cars single? No, it was early. 77. Man. No, 77. Yeah, it was 76. Well, that wasn't the middle of New Wave, was it? It was the start. Well, yeah, okay. Maybe it was the start of Punk and New Wave. Um, Scrooge Politico. I didn't realise they, uh, they were Welsh, but I, they were really good. They were terrific live. They were very, very good musicians. Racing Cars, yeah. Scritty Politti, do you know them? Bit pop. Yeah, no of them, yeah. Yeah, poppy. Um, Spencer Davis. Yeah, Spencer Davis group. And the only other one I've got written down here, talking to Tom Jones, but the other six, Shirley Bassey. Shirley, yeah. Tiger Bay's finest. And the, the only one to do more than one Bond theme, I think. Is that right? It is, yeah. Did we mention Keris Matthews? And Catatonia. Catatonia. I don't think yeah. we did, but we have now. She did a song with Tom Jones, didn't she? A Christmas hit. She did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby, it's cold outside. But so many people have done that, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. But they, it was their, it was their version of it. There was a new wavy version, wasn't it? Iggy Pop and uh, Debbie Harry did a version yeah. of that. I think. Yeah. Oh no, that was well. No, that was well. No, that's not Baby's cold outside. That was well. Did you ever? Well, did you ever? Yeah. Anyway. Have, have we exhausted our Welsh acts? I think we probably have, haven't we? Probably have. Probably I think we have. Who's listening as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that's it. Thank you very much, Pete. And uh, yeah, shame we didn't have Claire on to tell us how to pronounce these Welsh names. And she might have come up with some obscure Welsh acts that we weren't so familiar with. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I think she would have come up with some pop ones. I think. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. She's very pop mind. She's a. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you check. Master. I'm pretty sure if you check, it's Ast- it's Astrid Manach. Okay. I think I think that's what Keith said, and he came from Swansea, so he ought to know what he's talking about. He should know. I, yeah, I, I Swansea. Swansea's easier though, as he said. Anyway, this podcast will be posted to the usual places um, over the weekend. That'll be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts at al or basically wherever you get your podcast you can uh, you'll find it and of course one day the bbc day we will be on the bbc we will be and then as we said 10 years later we will be on dave on repeat <laughs> um but all of these all, all these podcasts are available you can get them all 
all 89 of them, well, 88 at the moment, 89 will be over the weekend, will be on the CBW Radio website, cbwradio.com. You'll find them all on there. Uh, and, it, of course, it's on our Facebook page, Off The Record Facebook page as well. Off The Record with a K. Um, but in the meantime, we've done Welsh acts. Maybe we'll do Azerbaijan acts or something maybe next yeah, time we, for a change. If we, we've got a, I mean, we've done the Scots, we've done the Welsh, we really need to do the Irish, don't we? I suppose we should. At one point. There's a lot to go at with Ireland, so... Uh, yes, yeah, true. But is it, it's, it's bigger than Wales, is it Ireland? Well, it depends. Now, you see, this is interesting. So, Including do we, Northern Ireland. Do we give Ireland back to the Irish and make it the island, uh, the island of Ireland, or do we do Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland? And Southern Ireland. Mm, okay, this, maybe this we do a, a bit of a mix of both. decision we need to make. So, to not upset people, maybe do <laughs> both. Well, we'll upset them whichever way we do it. True. We'll upset the unionists or the... Um, Very the true. All right, well, anyway, um, all I've got to say now is, thank you, Pete, good night from me. And good night from him. Thank you very much.